Happy holidays. This is this is it. This is the last week you have to do your Christmas shopping. You cannot wait until Saturday. It'll be too late. You must uh, do everything you can now to get it done. What's nice about having older kids when they need major car repairs, that becomes their Christmas gift. Merry Christmas. No, hey, you know, you, you don't have enough to pay for it. You want me to pay for it? Merry Christmas. That's what it means to be an adult. And so along that line, my name is Mark Barone, and uh, I was, yes, the mic is on for all of you who are listening long distance. Um, as I shared earlier, I was raised Catholic, and one of, the, one of my favorite stories growing up as a Catholic was when my mom told me this story about a 10-year-old boy that went to his mom and said, Mom, I want a bike for Christmas. And the mom looked and said, Really? Do you think you've been a good boy? He goes, Oh, yes, Mom, I know I've been a good boy. And the mom says, Do you think Jesus would say you're a good boy? And the kid goes, Oh, yes, Mom, I know Jesus would say I'm a good boy. She said, Well, I'll tell you what, go write Jesus a letter and ask him to give you a bike. She says, okay, that makes sense to him. He's 10 years old. He goes in his room. He picks a piece of paper and goes, Dear Jesus, I have been an excellent child and I demand a bicycle. And he looked down and he goes, nah, it's not going to work. So he throws it away. He picks another piece of paper. Dear Jesus, I've tried very hard to be a very good boy. Will you please consider giving me a bicycle? He looks at that and went, nah, and throws that away again. Another piece of paper, dear Jesus, you don't understand how hard it is today to be a good boy. Would you please find it in your heart to give me a bicycle for Christmas? He looked at that and went, no, he threw that away and he's thinking, thinking, and he gets an idea. He runs down to the local Catholic church, comes back with a little statue of Mary, puts it on his desk, gets a piece of paper and says, Dear Jesus, I have your mama. If you ever want to see her again, please send a bicycle too. Five, five, five. And that was always one of my favorites uh, growing up. We have been spending the last, and this is week six, on just dealing with one question. What do you do? When there's nothing you can do, what do you do in the meantime? You're in a situation. And as we talked about the meantime, you don't like it. It's not going to change anytime soon. And it's a new normal. And what are you going to do? You raise your kids, you raise them to go to college, you raise them, you think they're going to do really well, and it's just they're not going to be the doctors and the lawyers that you wanted them to be. Sorry, ain't going to happen. Or maybe it was their dream. To be a doctor or a lawyer. Maybe it was their dream to, and they realized they tried as hard as they could and they can't even get into college. You know, it just, it just wasn't meant to be. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do in the meantime? Things happen and it's not necessarily our fault. And now we're in a situation, we go into work. Things change. We go to get a letter from the doctor. We get a letter from the IRS. And we like, I don't want to open that thing. I don't want to know. What do you do when you're in a situation where there's not much you can do? And so we were looking at this from the perspective of, okay, the first thing as we go towards managing this meantime moment, the first thing is 
we have to struggle with the idea that God is not absent, apathetic, or angry with me, right? That's kind of step number one. We don't want to hit the ejection button, but we do want to say, all right, God, what's, what's going on here? Why, why is this happening? Why? And we have to wrestle with this one. And we looked at the life of John the Baptist. Remember, he thought, God, where are you? And Jesus reminded him, hey, John, you're loved by God, but you're going through a bad, you know, situation. This meantime can be a gift with a purpose and a promise. Most of the time we don't know what the purpose is, right? But what's the promise? Remember what the promise is? My grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. So we may find the purpose when we get to heaven. For a lot of us we find a purpose afterwards. But we always have the promise with us. Don't play the blame game, but ask, how can I glorify God? Because we live in America, we want to blame somebody. Right? Just give me somebody to blame. Jesus says, don't, don't go down that road. But ask the question, how can I glorify God in this situation? Then we looked at depression is normal in a fallen world. And I got a lot of nice compliments on that one because... It's true, right? There are days where like, God, take me now. I'm done. This is hard. And God always thanks you for giving him permission. You know? But it's normal. And you can't, as Dr. Phil or Dr. Lord used to say, you can't fix what? You can't fix normal. You just learn to manage it and go through it. And then last week we learned the secret of contentment. The idea that when we are finally honest and we go, I can't do this, but God, you can through me. I can't, you can through me. And we kind of exhale of, okay, it's time to go through this. God said, nope, you're going to go through it. I prayed, and either God said, no, you're going to go through it, or he's just silenced, like, all right, I know you still love me. I know there's something going on here. I know that your grace will help me through this meantime moment. Here we go. I'm going to go through it. And that's stage five. Any thoughts, comments, or questions as we kind of reviewed real quick? Yes. You know, I was always, always told people, you know, God did not punish the rose garden here on the earth, but He promised you if you work it in the end. You can't do it too long. You know, start it up the speed bumps, the bubble, and the older you get, the closer you get, it gets a little bit higher. That's a very good point. Another way of phrasing it is God never said this life would be fair. But he promises the next life will be better than fair. We know that this life is not fair, right? It's funny, one time my son had a temper tantrum at the age of 17. Yes, this is being recorded. At the age of 17. And he said, life is not fair. And I said, you're absolutely right. Why you were born in the United States instead of in some rice paddy in China is really amazing to me. It's really not fair. And he just looked at me and says, this is why I hate talking to you. 
it's true. We know that this life is not fair, but the injustice, the things that are, I mean, when it gets really bad, when you didn't count on something and you really have done everything you can, you've tried to be really good and you still get handed a divorce or you still get handed an illness, even though you took care of your health and everything or you've done everything you're supposed to do and you're still dealing with certain issues and you go, God, and we go through these stages to kind of figure it out. But here's the most interesting thing that I find, especially as you read the New Testament. And that is, the people in the Bible, they were familiar with adversity, yet they remained faithful. For them, there was no conflict between the loving God and, the, and adversity. It's, for some reason, for us, when we hit adversity, we go, alright, what did I do wrong? God, why are you angry at me? Why are you upset? For the people in the New Testament, when they faced adversity, they did not automatically assume God, you know, they just realized it was a part of this life, right? And so that's something that we need to recognize in that regard. I'm just going to, oops, oh well, let's get it on here. Open your Bibles, if you would, to James, the book of James, chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1. When we finally decide, okay, I'm going to go through this meantime moment. I'm not going to hit the ejection button. I'm not going to avoid it. I'm going to go through it. I pray God take it away. And he said no. Or he didn't say anything. And I finally got to the point of contentment where it's like, okay, let's go through this. We are reminded by James that we are to believe something. James says you are to believe something. Now, Jesus talks about belief all the time. You know, he'll say you need to believe and not doubt. Well, James is going to say you need to believe something. Now, what do we know about James, the writer of the book of James? What do we know about him? He was the half-brother of Jesus, right? Not mentioned much in the New Testament, except a couple of times where he, him and Mary, they went to go Jesus, get Jesus. Why? They thought he was out of his mind, right? Matter of fact, he's not even a big guy in the New Testament. It's not until afterwards that he becomes a great leader in the church, along with Peter in Jerusalem. Okay? So before, he really... He didn't really believe, and then all of a sudden, he believes in that regard. Which made me think of this question. What would it take for you to believe that your brother was the Son of God? Nothing. Right? Nothing. So what did it take James to believe that Jesus was the Son of God? Was it his teachings? The resurrection. Wasn't his teachings, right? It wasn't the miracles, because he heard about all those. It was when he really came to grips with the resurrection, and we know in Corinthians that Jesus went to James himself and said, Here I am. Which is why I always believe if your brother dies, and three days later he appears to you and he's raised from the dead, follow him. Right? Follow him. And that's what happened. So James is writing, and in James chapter 1... Beginning in verse 1, 
James, a servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, right there. He says Jesus is what? Lord. How you can go from not believing to believing, it's when you wrestle with the resurrection. To the twelve tribes scatters among the nations. So James begins, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind. And that's where I stop and go, are you out of your mind? What? You want me to consider it pure joy when I face trials of many kind? And James is going, just hold on a second. By the way, I'm not telling you to do this. James is right. James is telling you to consider it pure. I, I would tell you, freak out. Be fearful. I'd worry, right? Remember when Jesus says, don't worry? And I listen to some of your stories and you tell me your story and I went, ah, you should worry. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. So I'm not telling you to consider it. James is telling you to consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. And then he goes on. Because you know that the testing of your faith Develops perseverance. So James is giving you a clue. He says trials is a test of your faith. When you hit a situation that just pops out of the blue, next thing you know, it's a bad, you're now in a meantime moment. He says trials test your faith. How do trials test our faith? How do trials test our faith? It forces us to choose, right? And it also forces us, it challenges our belief. God, if you're really good, why is this happening to me? I was doing everything I'm supposed to do. Why? Trials... Test our faith. Trials get us to test God or question God, right? And there's so many people that when they face trials, they tend to hit the eject button and go, I'm out. Right? And James is saying, before you hit the ejection button, consider the possibility... That God can do something in this trial. Now remember, I'm not telling you this James is right. He said, consider the possibility that God can do something in this trial. Because trials test our faith in God. Right? What else does it test our faith in? ourselves. God, I don't I don't you know, I deserve what's coming. I'm no good, I'm worthless. And it gets us to question our own value. If I was only a a good person, if I was only better, then this would not be happening to me. And is that true? No. We got the story of Job that reminds us, right? You can't say, well, bad things are happening to you. You must have done something wrong. Right? 
Don't play the blame game. So James is giving us kind of a clue. He says, look, trials test our faith in God, but it also does something else. He says, because you know, and I like this, we knew this, right? We know that trials test our faith. We know that when we hit a difficult situation, we know there's a test here. Right? James is already telling us something we know. Alright, I'm being tested here. And the test really is, are you going to quit on God? Are you going to quit and cut the cords and run? For our, for trial, for we know that the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. And perseverance must do what? Finish its work. Trials produce perseverance, and perseverance develops maturity in what? In our faith. Yeah. Trials produce perseverance, and perseverance develops a mature faith. I mean, think about that for a moment. How else are we to get mature faith? Through what? Trials. We don't want to hear it, right? We don't, you know. But the only way we can grow, the only way we can develop to develop maturity is to do what? To have what? To persevere in faith in that regard. It's really important to understand. Because so much, we quit before the maturity comes in, instead of persevering. And there are many times I've wanted to quit, and I keep going, no, let perseverance finish its work. Now, I've never, I've met a bunch of people that when they've hit trials, and they were determined to go through it, and it was hard, and they say, I'm out. I've never met anyone that says, I am so grateful that I quit on God. My life is so much better. Instead, what they say is, my life got more complicated. It got harder. Okay? Because they hit the ejection button. And we say, listen, let perseverance finish its work. Don't hit the ejection button. Consider, believe that there is something good that God can bring from this, but I can't, He can't bring it if I do what? If I give up, if I quit. Do you know that persevering faith honors God more than someone who always gets an answer yes to their prayers? Right? Someone that, <laughs> you talk to them and they're like, I prayed Thursday and Friday, I got an answer and everything's great. You know, I lost my job, I got a better one. And, and I'm like, how'd you do that? What'd you do? Tell me what you did. I want to do what you're doing. Tell me. How did you do it? And God goes, that doesn't honor me. What honors me is what? When someone who has been through a real difficult time... And they persevered through it and they tell you their story. 
right? And you go, wow, I, I, I wouldn't want to, I couldn't do what you did. I wouldn't want to go through what you did. But wow, it impresses you, right? What impresses us is not perfect behavior, but persevering what? Faith is what really honors God. Isn't that true? Isn't that what wows us? I've met a lot of people. I said, have you ever, you've never been tempted this way? Nope. You've never been tempted to, nope. You mean everything is, you, everything you do, you've never, and I'm not criticizing those that, that have lived really good, up moral lives, but it's more intimidating than honoring. Because I'm like, well, once I hear your story, if I had the parents you had, I'd be in good shape too. If I had the job, if I had the looks you had, if I had the smarts you had, if I had all this that you had, I'd be in a good, I'd be doing good too. It's not, perfect behavior is not, it's, it's more intimidating than it is, in a sense, inspiring. But when you hear somebody who does not use Sunday school language that tells you, this is what I was, this is what I did, and God brought me to the valley of the shadows of death and made me camp there for years. And I finally got up out of it. And let me tell you how God has changed my life. And you're like, whoa. I would never want to go through what you went through. But wow. Your faith is inspiring. You see the difference? But it's because they let perseverance finish its work. And that's why it's important to tell our stories, right? And it's not about having the perfect story. It's about being honest and like, yeah, I was here. God left me here and now God has brought me here. And I would not wish this on any of you guys. But I wouldn't change anything because of what I learned, because of what I've been through, because I let perseverance finish It's work. And I didn't hit the eject button. And that's what James is saying. Just consider the possibility that God can do something good out of this bad situation that you did not cause. And you're like, I don't know. I got to start at the beginning again and keep going back up. And I got to keep reminding myself. Yep, that's absolutely right. But let perseverance, finish its work. And I don't know how many times I've sat thinking, oh man, it's hard. And I have to remind myself, okay God, i got to let perseverance finish its work so it can develop the character that you want to develop in me. But boy, I'd love to hit that ejection button and kick all my kids out and just you know, not deal with this anymore. Maybe I'm the only one to go through this. Okay. But you see what I'm saying? Any thoughts or comments? Yes. Yes. 
that's great and it's honorable and it's tremendous but the majority of people because of what we've been through deal with that temptation all the time to question because we were raised with lousy parents or we were raised in bad situations and so that temptation to question is just a temptation it's when we give in to it and we say, I believe it and thus choose a lifestyle that's completely different. But it's okay to acknowledge, yeah, I get tempted that way. And I, I think as a fellowship and as a church, we need to help people deal with where they're at, whether some people never question the love of God. I lean towards that. No matter what's happened to me, I've never questioned it, but... Part of that, I think, is because I always knew my mom and dad loved me. But you talk to somebody whose mom and dad had a hard time expressing love, and they questioned God's love all the time. Or if they were abused and neglected as a child, they questioned God's love all the time. And the fascinating thing is, we're all in different spots. We're all in different places. But James is reminding us, don't quit. Because let perseverance finish its work. And that's exactly what you did. You said, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to blame God. I'm going to walk through this and see what God brings about. That God can use this situation. But most of us struggle with questioning the love of God. Even the apostles did. Remember when... Jesus went to wash Peter's feet. What did Peter tell Jesus? No, you are not going to wash my feet. In other words, saying you're not going to love me this deep. I am not accepting that responsibility to let you love me this deep. And what did Jesus say? If you don't let me love you, what? You have no part of me. And Peter goes, wash my whole body. (laughs) You don't need a bath. That's not the issue here. You don't need a bath. It's a challenging process when we've been unjustly wronged. Even when we've done it to ourselves. To fully accept the love of God, but that's what's needed to make it through and to persevere. And Jesus says, there is nothing more, and I've told my sons this, there is nothing more Jesus can do than to die for you because if he's willing to die for you, then he is... For you. You have to believe that. He's for you. In that regard. And that goes back to the very first one, right? God is not angry, apathetic with me. And we do struggle with that. Because sometimes I feel like I don't deserve to be loved as much as God loves me. And you're right. It's called grace. It's a gift. 
and then we move through this, the different stages. Good point. Anyone else? About perseverance and letting perseverance finish its work. That's right. As long as you don't hit the eject button, you say, all right, God, we're going to go through this together. What's the only way we can grow to be mature? To go through the trials. Right? That's the only way. You're not going to experience maturity any other way. Because perfect behavior does not make you mature. It makes you very nice and good, which is nothing wrong with that. Well, God, how about if I just study more scriptures? Well, that will make you smart, but that won't make you mature. The only thing that makes you mature is to go through the trials that life throws at you and to persevere through it. And you come out the other end, what? Mature. It's the only way. And it's interesting, the word complete means perfect. You mean the only way I can be mature and perfect is to go through the trials? I don't really like that. I know. But just for a second, consider it joyful of what God can do through you if you persevere through it and not hit the eject button. We've all done it. I've hit the eject button on a couple of situations. And then I had to go back and say, all right, let's go through this again. I'm not going to quit on your son, even though you're causing me to go gray. Even though you're tearing my hair out, I'm not going to quit on you, spouse, or I'm not going to quit on you, mom and dad. Right? When you get that phone call that says, hey, I need you to take care of me. I just finally got the life where I wanted it to be. Right? Let perseverance finish its work. Any other thoughts? Good stuff. Anyone else? There's a phrase that I use with my son all the time, and he now uses it with me. There are some lessons that cannot be taught. They must be experienced. First time he used that on me, I said, you're right. You need to move out because there's only lessons you're going to learn as you're on your own. Right? He said, no, that's not what I meant. Isn't this true? There are certain lessons we would only get through experience. And I think that's why humanity starts in a negative, so that when we get to heaven, we won't change our mind like the angels did. The angels are like, I think life is better without God, and God's like, you've never been anywhere without me. What are you talking about? It's like when my kids, I can't wait to move out. Life is so much better outside of your rules and all your stuff. Like You have no clue what it's like out there. None. And they get out there, they're like, oh, this is hard, I'm broke, and I'm not disciplined, and it's all your fault. Now it's my fault. When we get to heaven, will we change our mind? We know what it's like to be selfish, greedy, self-centered, to lie, to cheat, to you know, struggle with good. We know. I'm not going back there. I don't want anything to do with that. I want us to be nice. 
to be kind, to be considerate, to be loving towards everyone equally. It's called heaven. But it's because of what I went through here. The trials I went through taught me that God is right and Satan's lying and it's better to be with him than to be away from him. Does that make sense? But in order to get to that maturity, what do I have to do? Let perseverance finish its work. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to keep going. Even though I want to hit the ejection button. Because I want to be one. I want to be mature. And it's the mature faith, not the mature behavior, but the mature faith that inspires other people. That helps us to go through it. Does that make sense? But James is not done yet. Let's look back on. James says, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. James says, look, I know it's hard, but what you got to do is ask for what? Wisdom. Now, I don't usually ask for wisdom. I ask for help. Just get me out of this. What do you think he means here when he says ask for wisdom? What are we asking God? What does this wisdom mean? What, is he, what, is it, what are we saying when he says ask for wisdom? What are we asking God? To make us smarter, to increase our IQ. God's way is always the best. Okay. That, that is wisdom. So, if we ask God, what what is Your will? What should I do? What would You have me do? If we find that answer, that's the wisest thing we could do. Now, I already know God wants me to be loving and kind, and to to be caring, even to my enemies. But it's like God. I'm in the midst of this meantime moment. I don't want to hit the ejection button. I don't want to run away. I don't want to quit. God, help me to see as you see. Help me to have this. Help me to put this all in perspective. Right? Help me to put this situation into perspective. Help me to see as you see so I can do what you want me to do. Right? Now, remember when you're a kid was in junior high or in high school and they came home and they said, this is the worst day of my life. My friend broke up with me. Life is over. And you had to pretend you really cared. (laughs) Oh, there, there, Donner. It's okay. It'll be all right. And you walk away and say, I wish I just had her problems. God, help me to see as you see, to put things into perspective, right? She thinks her world's falling apart. She has no clue. But as a dad, I pretended to be caring and loving. Oh, it'll be all right. It'll be great. Really, I did care. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you have no clue, girl, (laughs) what's going on here. Right? God, help me to see as you see. Help me to put this situation into perspective. So that I can manage it. So that I can go through it. So that I don't hit the eject button. So I don't question your love and grace. 
so I don't freak out. Yes? I think uh, a good example or illustration of the Bible is that walking on the water and he's, he's out there and the wind is whipping and the waves are up and Jesus says come and Peter can be distracted by all of his circumstances I, I can't do this, I can't <clears throat> walk on the water it's, it's wavy and it's windy and it's stormy but he takes that step and as long as he's focused on Jesus he's able to walk on the water but when his circumstances begin to consume him then he begins to sink and I think As a matter of fact, James uses that illustration. Let's read on. It's exactly what he says. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who graciously gives to all without finding fault, and it would be given to him. But when you ask, he must not believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the water wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Now, some people think he's referring to Peter. He said, don't be like Peter, which kind of tells me that the apostles kept giving Peter a hard time the whole time for sinking. And I think Peter looked at them and said, hey, you didn't get out of the boat. Hey, James, you weren't even there. You didn't even believe it's after the resurrection. So be quiet. You know, he says, come on. I think they jabbed Peter a lot with this. And James is saying, look. You cannot doubt that God really cares. If you start doubting, you'll put your faith in the circumstances and you'll start sinking to the circumstances. Don't do that. But the good news is, if you seek wisdom, God says, even if it's your fault you're in this situation, I will give you wisdom. I will give you the perspective of the bigger context. So that you can manage it. So you can get through it. So you can come out more mature. But it's praying that prayer. God, help me to see as you see. Not God, just get me out of this. I don't want to learn anything. I don't want to grow in anything. I just want this to be over with. It says if you doubt, you won't, you won't see it. You won't get the wisdom. But if you seek wisdom... And isn't that with our kids, what we want them to see it from a bigger picture, right? See the big picture. You need to learn these skills so you can be mature, so you can deal with the future, so you can see the big picture. And when they come, even as adults, freaking out, and you're like, whoa, 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 look at the bigger picture. You can get through this. You just need to persevere and let perseverance finish what? It's work. I don't like this. Because it's hard. Perseverance uh, leads to experience and uh, knowledge, which is the definition of perseverance. Persevere, the next step is being we Going back to the analogy of our kids, when our kids are in this situation, we want them to know, I love you. Then help me get out of it. No. You're going to have to go through this. You're going to have to learn from this. You're going to have to let perseverance finish its work. And what do we call the helicopter parent? The one that won't let the kids go through the failures and to learn from it and to grow from it, right? You're going to have to learn. If I keep bailing you out, you'll never learn. 
and you're like, just one more time, I promise. Just, just one more time, you bail me out. I promise. And this little voice tells us, you got to help him out, man, just to get him off your back. Come on, just get him off. You know, right? At least that's what I deal with, okay? And I'm like, nope, I'm not going to give you the keys to the car. I'm not going to give you this. I'm not going to give you more money. I'm not going to. You need to deal with this. And you need to let perseverance finish its work. But I want you to know, I love you. Well, if you love me, you'll give me everything you want. That's not love. That's enabling. Right? And these are the conversations of struggles that we all have. It's human nature. It's normal. But it allows us to build faith. And when we hear somebody say, yeah, this was my situation. These were, this is the terrible, horrific thing I've been through. And God made me sit there for years. And when I got out, let me tell you what God did. And you're like, wow. That's inspiring faith. Okay, And so he says, don't doubt, don't be like Peter who doubted, who took his eyes off of the bigger picture and started sinking and let the circumstances drag him down. And remember that. Any other thoughts or comments? Does that make sense? I'm going to push the pushback button because I want to show one more point and then we'll be dismissed. Exactly. That's why God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Yeah, but if you do something bad, God no longer loves you. Not true. But when we do something bad and we focus on that, then we don't enjoy that love. Just like with our own kids. My kids don't enjoy my love when they continue to do something bad, irresponsible. But my love is still there. They don't enjoy it. But my love is still there. God says, never will I leave you. So, your greatest tension you are experiencing in your life right now can be the focal point of God's activity in your life. That Tension, that situation that you are in right now, that you're in your meantime moment, and that you're trying to avoid, can be the greatest opportunity to grow if you're willing to persevere through it. And you're like, no, I don't want to. But it's true. It is one of the greatest opportunities. Spiritual maturity has always been measured by persevering faith, not perfect behavior. Amen? It's not perfect behavior. It's persevering faith through the trials. Some lessons cannot be taught. They must be experienced. That's life. And the last point. This is a prayer. This is a concept or a prayer that we start focusing on as we're persevering through our trials, our meantime moments. Heavenly Father, I believe you will use this until you choose to what? Remove this. Grant me wisdom to see as you see and your strength to do as you say. And that now becomes our prayer, right?
Father, I will, I believe you will use this until you choose to remove it. Grant me the wisdom to see as you see and the strength to do as you say. And when we pray for wisdom, it's God, help me to see as you see so I can get through this. Next week is our last class. It's the last phase of the growth that when we finally get through and we're persevering, we're persevering, or we're almost out of this meantime moment, something tremendous starts happening. We see that our story impacts other people's lives in a positive way. And that impacting their life creates kind of a new strength for us. And that's going to be our our next class next week. And then we will be done. And then I will be back sometime 2016 uh, to help out. But I appreciate everybody's comments and their attention. Let's pray.